Hello, and welcome to the Food Freedom Body Love Podcast. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a licensed registered doctor of naturopathic medicine and the creator of the Food Freedom Body Love Method, a system for helping both adults and children make peace with their bodies, weight, and relationship with food so they can pursue health in the most relaxed and enjoyable way. Okay, are you ready? Today's episode, today's mini, I'm calling it mini, but it's it's not so mini, mini podcast episode is going to be about socioeconomic status and health. I just want to say this is a pretty big topic and I'm going to introduce two, two concepts, two baby concepts to you today. So there's going to be a little bit of, I'm going to be reading from a paper on socioeconomic status and weight and health. And so there's going to be some like researchy words in here and I'll try to break it down as best I can. Um, But I just want to introduce some concepts around weight and health and socioeconomic status. Not exactly on the theme of this week, which has been talking about the stress cycle and women's health and bodies as related to Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski's new book, Burnout. So I'm not totally on topic here, but I will say that I thought of chatting about this because they're talking about wellness and wholeness in their book. And I think that when we start to talk about these loftier goals and aspirations, we really do need to dig into some of the bones of like, how does socioeconomic status affect our health? How is it a barrier to health? How is it related to our weight? There are lots of misunderstandings and misconceptions about that. And they do, from what I've read so far, a pretty beautiful job of talking about layers and systems of oppression and how those layers really do pile on to an individual living in the world today. They talk about it. They talk about the stress cycle for those with multiple layers of oppression as it's like swimming in water and the water gets murkier and swampier and thicker and more difficult to swim through when there's layers of oppression. So whether that's because of race or ethnicity or ability or gender identification or sexual orientation or weight, the stress cycle is even more difficult to navigate and the consequences for going under the consequences of burnout for your head going under that swampy, murky, thick and yucky water are so much bigger. And so they are addressing it in this book. Um, I just wanted to bring it, I just wanted to bring it to the table as more of a side or a standalone topic on my own, because I think it is so interesting and Throughout my education on weight and health and socioeconomic status, I feel like I learned a lot of slightly inappropriate information or like slightly misinterpreted information. And so I just want to throw this out there today. Okay, so we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about socioeconomic status and health. And then we're going to find that there's this like really interesting thing that happens with weight and health in different socioeconomic classes. And so once we start to see that, once I point that out to you in the reading, we're then going to hop into stigma when it comes to weight and how this, how stigma plays into our overall health. So a bit of a heavy day for a Thursday, but you know, 
there's no better day than a Thursday to talk about socioeconomic status. So let's just do this thing. I'm going to be reading from a paper called Does Social Class Explain the Connection Between Weight and Health by Paul Ernsberger. And it's from a fat studies reader that was edited by Esther Rothblum and Sandra Solovey. And so I'm just going to read little snippets of it. The whole, um, the entire reader is well worth going through. It's incredible. So many great uh, so many great papers, so much great information, really well researched. Um, the content, like I said, in the intro is a little heavy, so I apologize for that. But I also, you know, I, I know that you guys are eager for this and, and I trust that I trust that I will be able to break it down for you. Um, hopefully I can do that. Um, but okay, socioeconomic status and weight and health. The first thing to mention is that like what is socioeconomic status and how do we measure it? It's usually measured by household income or years of education. And so um, those two things are clearly pretty different and, and it can be a little bit limited. So I just want to mention that off the bat, like defining it is a little bit tricky, but you know, socioeconomic, or sorry, um, household income and a combination of years of education tend to give us it's limited, but tends to give us decent information. So there's two things I said I was going to cover, socioeconomic status and health, and then where that sort of intersects with weight stigma and health. So let's talk about socioeconomic status and health. Low socioeconomic, I'm reading now, just so you know, I'm going to like go back and forth between reading from the paper and then hopefully trying to break it down so that we're all on the same page. Low socioeconomic status is a powerful predictor of death due to cardiovascular disease. In a representative U.S. sample, low income was associated with relative risks of 3.9 in women and 3.3 in men. So those are are high, high relative risks. These estimates were not changed by statistical adjustment for cigarette smoking alcohol intake, exercise level, and body weight. Thus, known risk factors accounted for only a small portion of the mortality risk of low socioeconomic status. Importantly, the risks of low socioeconomic status apply across the weight spectrum. This has been found consistently in many different epidemiological studies. Nonetheless, many experts persist in the assumption that poor people are often unhealthy because they are often fat. Instead, really hear this, guys. Instead, fat people may be often unhealthy because they are often poor. That's a big thing to take in. Evidence points to psychological stress and limited access to health care as the primary source of the high risk of premature death in the lower social classes. Low socioeconomic status is an especially strong predictor of early death in diabetics, presumably because of impaired delivery of necessary medical care. Living in a poor neighborhood is associated with diagnosis of cancer at a later stage. In other words, if you're poor, 
your cancer is less likely to be caught earlier and you're more likely to die a preventable death. This reflects limited access to health care for the poor. A demographer at the Congressional Budget Office took a very clever approach to the question of the contribution of social factors to the apparent risk, health risk of adiposity or the health risk of being fat. The demographer looked at the effect on risk of death of having a fat person in your household. Obviously, there's no biological reason for a thin person living with a fat person to have an increased risk of illness and death, but there are social reasons. The thin person is sharing the social and physical environment with a fat person. The result was that it was just as hazardous to live with a fat person as to actually be a fat person. The author concludes that unmeasured factors such as genetics and the physical and social environment may be responsible for the increased death rate in fat people. Whew, that's big. So what what he's basically saying here is we keep blaming fatness for increased risk of illness and death. And he's saying, no, 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 no. It is way more to do with your socioeconomic status and the physical and social environment that you're living in. And he showed that by showing that thin and fat people who are living together in the same social and physical environments have the same risk factors. So let's keep going. After controlling for socioeconomic status in the Americans Changing Lives study, The relative risk from low body weight was 2.03, whereas the relative risk for high weight was 0.94. So they're just looking at differing relative risk factors for people at different body weights. Thus, for individuals with equivalent social status, there is no significant increase in the risk of death from high body mass. A relative risk of one indicates an unchanged probability of dying. A study in Finland found high risks of fatness, BMI over 34 in the upper classes, relative risk of 1.4 to 1.7, but not in the lower social classes, relative risk of only 1.2. Also, low weight, a BMI of under 19, was not a hazard in the upper classes, but was a strong risk in lower classes. Thus, if you are rich, according to the research, it is dangerous to be fat, but being thin is fine. If you're poor, it is much more dangerous to be thin than to be fat. The contrasting effects of weight on health risks in different socioeconomic groups might account for some of the discrepancies between epidemiological studies in different types of populations. So what's really being identified here is that fatness has very different effects on your overall health depending on socioeconomic status. And it's socioeconomic status that is the determinant of the health outcome, not the fatness. And so then the question becomes, why? What is so different? Why is it okay? For rich people to be thin, but it can be a huge risk factor for poor people. And why is fatness potentially problematic in upper socioeconomic classes and 
and less so in the lower socioeconomic status groups, which brings us to a conversation around weight stigma. I'm just going to read to you again from the paper by Paul Ernsberger. A striking relationship, which has not been commented on in any previous review, is that the five studies showing a high hazard of adiposity or fatness have subjects drawn from the highest socioeconomic statuses. This includes suburban nurses, Harvard alumni, persons who can afford individual life insurance policies, residents of an affluent suburb, Framingham, Massachusetts, and others. These are social groups enforcing the strongest stigma against body fat. Nurses in particular are under strong pressure to lose weight as a helpful example to their patients. In contrast, study populations showing no risk of high body weight or even an inverse relationship with body weight and mortality, meaning body weight could actually be protective in these groups, tend to be of low socioeconomic status and belonging to non-Western cultures that do not value thinness as strongly as affluent Americans. The incidence of high body weight was very low in the Harvard alumni nurses and insurance policyholders. The average BMI of each of these groups were well below the U.S. average. In contrast, fatness is more prevalent in the populations where its health effects are diminished. The world's highest rates of adiposity, or fatness, are found in the South Pacific and in Native American groups. Yet in these non-Western cultures, there is no increased risk of cardiovascular disease, even at the highest weights, BMI of up to 40. This raises the possibility that the stigma, discrimination, and stress faced by obese persons of high socioeconomic status in Western cultures may be a major contributor contributor to their excess of cardiovascular mortality. So like, whoa, basically what this, what I'm reading to you today, which again, I know it was heavy. If you've stuck with me to this point, I congratulate you. But what this is doing is poking holes in the idea that fatness is to blame, that fatness is always bad, And it's proposing the idea that our health is much more predicated or dictated by our socioeconomic status and the amount of stigma that we feel about the weight that we carry on our bodies. And so this is this is big because all of a sudden it's not just about getting weight off at all costs. It's about so much more than that. It's big. It's complex. I obviously can't answer it all today. What I'm just here to do is is offer up some food for thought and poke some holes in the story that is definitely not benefiting us to date. So again, thank you so much for sticking with me. I know that was a little bit heavy. And um, I do think though, I find this stuff so interesting and informative and changing. This is the stuff that legitimately begins to change my views about fat and health with regards to the entire world and population, but also with regards to myself and the way that I feel about my own body and how I care for myself. And so um, I hope that you get the same thing out of it. And if you want to work on a deeper level in a deeper way, you can email me hello at foodfreedombodylove.com for my one-on-one package information, or you can go to my website, foodfreedombodylove.com to learn more about single consults, whether it's for you, a how to eat session for an adult, or a how to feed session for children who are dealing with eating issues, 
body image issues, weight and growth issues. Okay, that's it for today. I'll talk to you tomorrow.